Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel 9. And do you need one of these charts tonight? May I have some ushers, please? How many need one of our charts? I hear some. Uh, may I have an usher? I need some ushers. Where are they? All right. Here we come. All right, fine. Just raise your hands and some of these ushers will see that you get one. And keep it right in front of you. All right? Fine and dandy. All right, now you'll notice the chart right in front of you. Well, before we do that, let me start reading Daniel 9, starting with the 24th verse. Daniel 9, 24. Listen, follow in your Bible as I read. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now notice, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The city shall be built again and the wall even in troublous time. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he, that second prince, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week shall he cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, we have been studying Daniel's 70 weeks. Last week we showed you a week means seven years. And so therefore there are 70 weeks, 70 times 7, it's 490 years. Now isn't it amazing the Bible, what it really stands for? It's tremendous. Here we have God's word and he mentions time. 490 years. Now, he says the commandment is going forth. Jerusalem is to be rebuilt. And there's going to be 490 years from that commandment until Jesus Christ is anointed king over Israel and all the world. Now, this is probably the most detailed of all prophecies that you can get. Israel was in captivity. They were in Babylon. They were under the heel of a Gentile, Nebuchadnezzar, and then, of course, other kings. And now that 70 years are about up, they had neglected the yearly Sabbath, 70 of them, and they were in captivity for those 70 years. God said the land's going to rest, even though you wouldn't let it rest. Then he tells us there's a breakdown in those 490 years or the 70 years Notice point number two. These 70 weeks were to be divided into seven plus 62 plus one. Seven sevens are 49 years. 62 times seven is how much? 443. So you take 49 and 443, and you have 483 years, and then you have seven more, which will make 490 years. 
Now, the 483 years, it's all over. It's consummated. It's finished. From the command, rebuild Jerusalem. And the end of the 483 years, that's 69 weeks, the Messiah is to be cut off. And you know, for years I preached very little on this because I was not satisfied with what I had been taught, what I had read, what others believed. I just could not accept it. We spent last week and showed you the Messiah being cut off could not have been and the triumphal entry, as many teach. He couldn't have been on the cross, as some others teach. It had to be when Israel cut the Messiah off and said, we'll not have this man to rule over us. It happened in the book of Acts. You see, it was absolutely necessary. After Israel had crucified Christ, he had been buried resurrected and descended into heaven, it was absolutely necessary that Israel be given the opportunity to receive its king, its resurrected king. That's what always bothered me. Always bothered me. You see, to a person, those who believe that Jesus Christ cutting off was at the triumphal entry, which some world in the world called Palm Sunday, or on the cross, they all believe that during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, Christ offered the kingdom to Israel. He didn't. He couldn't have. Let me give you one more proof. 1 Peter 1.11. Will you turn to it? 1 Peter 1.11. Now, don't miss this scripture. Why couldn't have the kingdom been offered to Israel during his earthly ministry? You see, the cutting off of Christ, that the triumphal entry, and the cross means that they had already had the opportunity to have the king and the kingdom. Well, let me read 1 Peter 1.11. Searching what or what matter of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. Now listen. Testified beforehand. The sufferings of Christ and the what? The glory what? That should follow. Now, he said the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Christ had to suffer and then have his glory. Absolutely necessary. So Christ couldn't have been cut off the triumphal entry. Couldn't have been cut off at the cross because we need the burial, we need the resurrection, the resurrection, we need the ascension into heaven. And here, Peter says the Holy Spirit had beforehand testified his sufferings and then his glory. And so, Israel was offered the kingdom in the early part of Acts, said, no, we'll not have this resurrected Christ. They were blinded when they cut off the Messiah, would not receive him. And God raised up a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, changed his name to Paul, and gave him a brand new message and send him out to the Gentiles. Now that's the point where we are tonight. Now go back to Daniel 9 again, and let's see something else in this prophecy. After the cutting off. All right, Daniel 9, 25. Let me read this for you. Daniel 9, 25. Knowing therefore 
And understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Now listen. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now. You'll notice in verse 25, there's a prince. It's Jesus Christ, the Messiah prince. He's the one who's going to sit upon the throne of his father, David, and rule for a thousand years after the 69 weeks are up. But now in verse 26, we have another prince. Now that prince is not Jesus Christ, it's the Antichrist. Let me read the 26th verse. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, here's the Antichrist, two princes. In the middle of those seven years, which are yet to come, after the rapture of the church, there will be a prince come forth. He will be the man of sin, the son of perdition, He'll be the anti-Christ. And what will he do? All right, let's look at verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week shall cause the sacrifice in the oblation to see. Now what's he going to do? This anti-Christ is going to come upon the scene in the last seven years, the last year, the last week of the 70 weeks. He'll come upon the scene. Now, actually, it's been called the tribulation or the 70th week, the week of the Antichrist. That's what it's all about, the Antichrist. Now, I want you to see something. This Antichrist shall come. Verse 26 says, His people shall cause the oblation and the sacrifice to cease, and they will destroy the, the sanctuary. Now, that's all prophesied elsewhere in the Bible. Beautiful picture. Today we have the church, the body of Christ, being formed. It's going to stop at any moment. It's going to be concluded by the rapture, as our brother prayed tonight. I believe on the rapture with all my heart, soul, and mind. Jesus Christ himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead and the living in Christ shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's going to conclude this age. Then the time clock for Israel will start again. And the Antichrist will rise up right in the very beginning of the 70th week or the seven-year tribulation period. Now, what do you know about him? Well, let me tell you something. You know very little about the Antichrist until the middle of the 70th week or the seven years. Right in the middle of that time, he's going to do something. But now what's he going to do when he starts out? He's going to be raised up, this man of sin, the son of perdition, this antichrist. Satan in human flesh. And this antichrist will come upon the scene after the church is removed. And immediately he's going to make a covenant with Israel. I believe that he is going to control the Western world, the United States, England, 
France, not Germany. That's going to be in the Russian block. But here you have the Western world. And the Antichrist at the very beginning, as we read in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, he'll come in with peace. He'll be a man of peace. Revelation 6, 1 and 2, talks about the rider on the white horse. He'll come with a crown, with a bow and no arrows. He'll come up and set up peace throughout the world. Men will cry, peace and safety. And the main thing he'll do, I want you to listen carefully, he's going to do what President Carter has tried to do. He's going to solve the Mideast problem. That'll be the first thing the Antichrist will do. He'll solve the Mideast problem. For that's the hot spot in all the world. Everybody knows that. If the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't rapture his way, World War III could start there today, tomorrow. All the ingredients are right there. World War III. Incidentally, did you read what Barry Goldwater said yesterday? He said, I give the United States five years till doom if you don't get some conservatives in Congress and a conservative president. I've been telling you this, and I believe it's true. Our economy is going to collapse like a house of cards. And you know who's going to solve all these problems? He's going to appear upon the scene. He's going to be a magnetic individual. Charisma, there's never been anyone who's had charisma like this man. That is, of an earthly man. And he's going to solve the Mideast program. He's going to get the Arab world, Russia, United States, France, sit down and they're going to sign a peace pact for seven years. Israel's going to lay down all her arms, according to Joel and Isaiah. Lay all her arms down. Get rid of her air force. Get rid of her army. And she'll put complete trust in this man. But right in the middle of the week, he'll turn on the Jews. Let me read it again for you. Go to Daniel 9, 26. Now, let's read it carefully. Daniel 9, 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That's already happened, but not for himself. And the people of the prince, now this is the Antichrist, that shall come shall destroy the city, that's Jerusalem, and the sanctuary, that's a temple that'll be rebuilt, and the end of it shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, for seven years. And in the midst of the week, after the first three and a half years, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, what's he going to do? He'll solve all the problems. He'll build up his kingdom for three and a half years. And all of a sudden, Second Thessalonians 2 is very clear on this. With his people... He'll go storming into Jerusalem. He'll go into the temple. He'll go into the Holy of Holies. For you see, the Jew is back in the Holy Land. The Jew's not there today. She has to be there with the Old Testament worship. And she's not doing that at all right now. She doesn't have a king. She doesn't have a priesthood. But she's going to do it during the first three and a half years. A temple's going to be built. 
priesthood's going to be inaugurated. The sacrifices will be resumed. And this man of sin, this son of perdition, will go storming in with his armies, his people. And he'll go into the Holy of Holies. He'll say to the Jew, I am your God. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for. Trust in me. Believe in me. And of course, the Jew will not fall for it. Some of them will. But not those who are true Jews. They'll know he's a phony. They'll not receive his mark of the beast. And what will happen? The Antichrist will turn upon the nation. Let's look at it. Matthew 24. Will you turn to it? Matthew 24. Matthew, the 24th chapter. All right. Let's go back here. Matthew 24, 15. Matthew 24, 15. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Let me start reading from the 15th verse for you. Matthew 24, 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Now, what is abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet? That, beloved, is when the Antichrist will go storming into the Holy of Holies and say, I'm God, as we have in 2 Thessalonians 2. I'm God! That'll be right in the middle of the tribulation. And you know what'll happen? The great tribulation will start. The great tribulation will start. And what'll happen? Well, let's read it. Matthew 24, 16. Then let them who are in Judea flee into the mountains. They're going to have to go for shelter. Let him who was on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him who was in the field turn back to take his clothes. Don't dare turn around to go back to your house to get your possessions. Whatever clothes you have on your back, that's all that you dare have. And you flee. The 19th verse. And woe unto those who are with child. Now, can you picture this? Here's a woman. She has a baby at her breast. An infant. And God says, they'll not have any mercy on a woman with child. They'll not have any mercy at all. They'll kill her and the child. And then notice that 19th verse. And woe unto those who are with child and those who nurse children in those days. But pray your flight be not in the winter. Why? Well, you know how much I hate winter, don't you? Do you know how badly I hate winter? As much as anybody hates anything, I suppose. But can you imagine if the Antichrist comes into Jerusalem? You know, I was in Jerusalem with Betty when you sent us there a few years back. And I was in Tel Aviv, and for the first time it snowed there. Would you believe it? I went there and it snowed. But we were in Jerusalem. And do you know it sleeted there? And it was as cold as it could be. Miserable. And when Betty and I were riding in that bus on the tour, I looked around and I looked at the mountains and I thought, my, if it's going to be this cold, and you better not go back to get any clothes, can't go back to get any possessions, 
Imagine the hardships when it's cold, and it gets cold there. All right, what else? Say, pray not that your flight be in the winter, neither on the what? Sabbath days. Why? They have instituted the Sabbath, and now they only can travel so far on the Sabbath day, can't they? They can only travel so far on the Sabbath day. And beloved, they would be caught and slaughtered. So the thought is this. When the middle of the tribulation comes, when there's a problem with the Antichrist going in and saying, I'm God, and the Jew says, no, we won't receive you as God. We won't believe on you as Messiah. Don't. I'd rather pray it will not be in the winter. Pray it won't be on the Sabbath day. Pray that you'll have time to get out. Because the Jew will be slaughtered. Jerusalem will be ransacked. And the Jew will be driven to the Red Rose City. What's the name of it? Petra. Petra. But that's not stopped there. Let's go on and notice the 21st verse. For then shall be what? Great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be what? Shortened. Oh, beloved, can you picture this time? Can you? I think tonight there's a movie on called Holocaust, is it? Or was it on another night? I don't know. It's all week. See, that's how much I know about it. I don't worry about things like that. But I read there was a great confusion over this movie, Holocaust. And no doubt it was that. No doubt those millions of Jews who were burned in the oven. But you know, that was child's play. Alongside what's going to happen to the Jews. When the Antichrist comes in and he breaks that pact and he says, I'm your God, and the Jew will say, no, we won't believe in you, we won't trust in you, we won't receive your mark. The Jews will die like flies. Their city will be burned, that city they're so proud of right now. It'll be ransacked as it was with Titus back in 70 AD. And the Jews will be driven out. Many of them will be slaughtered. God said it will be so bad, so bad, that if these days were allowed to run their normal course, there wouldn't be a Jew left. Wouldn't be one left. They'd all be slaughtered. But God says he's going to intervene. He's going to intervene when he becomes that stone that will hit the toes and that great image and break it into powder, into dust. Well, let's not stop there. Let's notice the 23rd verse. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, not just an antichrist, there's going to be many of them, and shall show what? Great signs and wonders. Now, let me read that again so you get the impact of that. For then shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Is the world ready for that right now? Is it? Oh, the world's ready for signs and wonders, isn't it? 
Uh, you know how to get a big crowd? Well, all I need to say, I'm going to work wonders tonight. I'm going to show you some miraculous things. And if you have any charisma, any ability at all, you can pack any building you want. But listen to what it says. And there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. That shows that signs and wonders come from the devil. Not God doing this. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Those Jews who are not dead could deceive them. And you know something, whether you believe it or not, the hardest people in the world to deceive are the Jews. I think the most brilliant people on the face of the earth are Jews. I'm utterly convinced of that. I've shown you that in scripture before. Our most brilliant minds are the Jewish minds. And these things will be so tremendous so great, so astounding that the very elect Jews who are back worshiping under the Old Testament economy would be deceived if God didn't interfere. God didn't intercede. Well, let's read on. Notice the 23rd, 25th verse. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What's it going to be? Suddenly, intervention of God, the second coming of Jesus Christ will take place, and Satan's man of sin, the false prophet, and all his followers will be vanquished. There'll be the most bloody war that the world has ever known, and it will be Jesus Christ and the angelic angels against, against the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the armies of all the nations of the world. Beloved, what a terrible day it's been. Now, listen carefully. We said the seventh week is a week of the Antichrist. Seven years with the Antichrist. Those seven years will be so terrible that you and I can't imagine them today. I don't think we can really picture what it's going to be like. And the amazing thing is it's going to be a time of religion. Time of religion. Religion will be everywhere. The false prophet will head up all the religions of the world. Actually, the strongest element during the, year, the, the 70th week, those seven years, the tribulation, will be religion. The most influential movement will be religion. Now, if you ask yourself something, when I first went into the ministry, when I just start when I came to Altoona, religion was was anathema. No one wanted to be religious. There were very few churches in town except the fundamental churches that had anybody coming. You go back and look and see if I'm not right. 
Churches were falling apart. Most people were agnostics. They didn't know whether there was a God or not. And what's more, they didn't care. You were to take the average professor in a college or a university, and I remember I was in a denomination that had Judy out of college. Remember that? And one of the things that got me so discouraged with the denomination and got them discouraged with me was they had a fellow by the name of Geisenhaus, a German Jew. He was a refugee. He came over here, a brilliant man, a genius, started teaching in Juniata College, but he was a atheist. And I immediately raised my voice and said, how can a church school have an atheist preaching and teaching in it? And you know the ultimate end. But you see, at that time, nobody was shocked by it. You could be an atheist. You could be an agnostic. Because that was the tenor of the time. But that's all changed. All changed in just these few years. Religion has now again become possible. Churches are again starting to fill up. How many people do you know who do not believe in God today, even though they're not saved? Do you know many people out there that would say to you, I don't believe there's a God? I haven't met one in a long time. Did you know that? Religion? Why, you've got a great force in politics when you mention religion. You get a religious group together and the politicians shake today. They tremble. Religion is on the rise. Because I believe we're right in the very shadow of that awful time called the tribulation. Now one last thing. So many have been teaching. We're going to be here. We're going to go in to the tribulation. All right, we go to 2 Thessalonians 2, will you? Done this before, but some of you have asked me about it, and I want you to see this. 2 Thessalonians 2. Are we going to go into the tribulation? Absolutely not. 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, let's go to the sixth verse to save time. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6. Have it in front of you. And now ye know what restraineth or withholdeth, that he, that personal pronoun he, refers to the Antichrist, might be revealed in his time. Now, why can't the Antichrist be revealed now? Well, there's something that's keeping him from being revealed. Why can't Satan bring his man out at this time and have him start his work now? Because there's something that withholdeth. There's something that restraineth. The seventh verse. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he. Once again, we have a personal pronoun he. Only he who now hindereth will continue to hinder until he be taken out of the way. Now, who's the he that's restraining the he? The Antichrist. Mm, I hear so many different answers, don't I? Number one, it's not Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, just a second. It's not Jesus Christ, because he's in heaven right now. It's not the Holy Spirit. I used to teach that, and I thought that, but it's not true. The Holy Spirit's not going to be taken out of this world. If he refers to the Holy Spirit, and he's taken out of the world, how will people be saved during the tribulation? You can't be saved apart from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Ridiculous to think the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of this world. 
Absolutely not. And I can give you a lot of scripture if you'll give me enough time. But we'll see then. I read one of the leading Bible teachers, or two or three of them today, and they said, you know, the church is never called food. Do you believe that? No. Turn with me to Ephesians, if you will, the second chapter. Let's see who the he is who's hindering. Ephesians, the second chapter. And notice in Ephesians 2 and the 15th verse. Ephesians 2, 15. Ephesians 2, 15. Now listen to it. You got it? Ephesians 2, 15. I want you to be sure to have it. Having abolished in his flesh, this is Jesus Christ, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance. Why? To make in himself, in Jesus Christ, of two or twain, one what? New man, so making peace. What's God doing right now? He's making a new man. And a man is he, isn't it? He use the personal pronoun he when you talk of a man. God is taking a Jew and Gentile, that's what he's talking about in Ephesians 2, Jew and Gentile, and he has anyone, Jew or Gentile, that's saved, that's believed on Jesus Christ, he is made part of the body of Christ, this one new man. Christ is the head and we're members of that body. We're members of that body. Now, what does hinder Satan from bringing this prince, the man of sin, out into the world? He who now hinders. Who's that? The church, the body of Christ. Not the Holy Spirit. Church, the body of Christ. Now, I admit I used to teach that, but it didn't make sense. I used to teach it and wonder, well, how does this work? Holy Spirit's got to be here. Or all these people in Revelation 7 can't be saved. 144,000 Jews. A vast multitude of the Gentiles that no man can number. Holy Spirit is the only one that can enable us to be saved. Holy Spirit's not going to be taken out of this world. It's ridiculous. But here he refers to the one new man, the church, the body of Christ, with Christ the head of the body, and those who believe are members of that body. And as long as we are here, Satan cannot bring the man of sin out onto this world. Remember there was a fellow coming around here telling all sorts of wild, fanciful tales. I don't know how many people gave me tapes on him. I went to Grand Rapids and everywhere, and students used to come to me and say, what do you think of this fellow? I said, he's a pony if there ever been one. And that's been proven to be true. But he said that he knew, he knew who the Antichrist was. I heard him say it in one of his tapes. And he said that, I said, oh, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. He doesn't know any Bible. Doesn't know any Bible at all. Read any articles on this man? Moody Munsell, you'll know that he's been proven to be just what he said he was. Now, only when the church, the body of Christ, is removed. Apostasia, the departure of 2 Thessalonians 2. Then Satan can bring the man of sin out into this world. And then the tribulation will set. Praise God, we are not going to have any part in that tribulation. God has not, appo not appointed us unto wrath, but unto what? Remember? Look it up in 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, the 5th chapter. Let us bow our hearts in a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, again we thank you for Christ Jesus.
thank thee for the joy, the reality of being here. We thank thee for thy perfect word. We thank thee for thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died and paid the price of our sins. We thank thee for salvation, full and free. And now, Father, we just pray that you'll be with all who are here, be especially with the children that, Lord, they may be brought up to be used by thee in days to come if you do not rapture us away. And, Father, we pray that as we go to our homes, to protect us, watch over us, I'll be with the choir, God, and musicians. We'll thank you for this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.